we pray. Father, we, we, we thank you for once again, we can just come around your word. We can just gather together. Uh, even though there may just be a few of us, we thank you for your promise that you're, you're always with us. And even though we're not physically together this morning, we, we, can, at least, we can at least gather in some way. And we, we just thank you for the, the blessing of modern technology that allows us to do that today. And so we, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to us this morning. We, we thank you for your life in us. And Father, our prayer is that we would be able to be, become more conscious and more aware of your presence with us every single day, that we can live out of that new man. We can live out of the reality that you are within us and allow your life to flow through us. And so we just declare right at the start of this meeting, blessing over everyone in Jesus' name. Everyone who is tuning in, everyone is going to watch this now, everyone who will watch it later, we just declare the blessings of heaven over you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think it's been said that loving, loving people is the greatest thing. And over the past few weeks, we've been exploring the the different facets of living a holy life. And Paul calls it a life that's worthy, that we live a life worthy of the calling that we've received, a life that is pleasing unto God. Um, we're not trying to earn God's favour or blessing. We are not trying to earn forgiveness or earn eternal life. All of those things come to us as a free gift because of God's grace. Um, but we have been recreated, we've been reborn, we've been born again with heavenly DNA in the perfect image of Jesus. And so our, our calling is to live like him. In fact, it's, it's, it's a privilege that we all have, that we can reflect the life of Jesus. And Jesus tells us that it's possible to do that, that as we believe in him, that as we trust in the Holy Spirit, that, we, that he will live his life through us. And that's why Paul um, is able to say in Galatians 2.20 that, that it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of Jesus. It wasn't his faith. It wasn't Paul trying to drag himself out of the dirt to do something, to, to try and prove himself. It was him relying on the reality of God's life in him. Um, it was a faith that was alive and vibrant and is active in Paul because he was aware that Jesus was living his life through him. The Holy Spirit was with him all the time. Peter understood that same thing. And that as he, as he trusted in the promises of God, that as he believed in those declarations of truth that were declared over him, um, not just personally by Jesus, but, but for all of us through the word, that we can all live in that divine nature of God, that, that, that Jesus can actively operate through us. When we look at the life of Jesus, um, it was one of absolute love. Um, not passive apathy, not just accepting everything that happens around, around him or accepting everything that people did and not, not saying anything about it in case someone gets offended. Um, you know, we live in a world of offense today. People get offended so easy. And, and, and so if you say something that challenges them, if you say something that, that they don't particularly agree with, then that's regarded as not being loving enough. 
Folk, I tell you, Jesus called out what was wrong. And when he found those who were blatantly abusing other people, he called them out on it. That wasn't an act of hate to say, hey, you're wrong in your attitude or you're wrong in what you're doing. That was, it, 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 He did it to protect the innocent. And that was an act of love. We, we live in a world today that is full of identity politics and distorted views of what is true. Um, so much so that, that if you do disagree with someone's view, it's regarded as hate or hate speech. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Paul writes to Timothy and he actually warns him of this very thing. He says, there will come a time when people won't accept sound doctrine. They won't accept truth. They'll only accept what they want to believe. In other words, they will make their own truth. But true love, perfect love, loves people for who they are. But Jesus loved us so much that he came to deal with the thing that was destroying us. He loved us so much that he wasn't going to leave us where we were. We were destroying ourselves. He stepped in and he made a way for us to be eternally set free and eternally secure. And we've all witnessed this week um, just the response from some, but the reaction from others. They're all supposedly in the name of love. And, it, and, and a lot of it, sadly, has been a real distortion of what love is. It's just been a violent reaction. And people have used the term love, that we have to love everyone, as an excuse to actually vent their hatred. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's a very sad thing. Let me just go on record. Black lives matter, but all lives matter. And at the moment, people are getting, they're losing their jobs for making that statement which is, I think is just ridiculous. Jesus came and died for every single person on the planet. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me whether you're Chinese, whether you're Indian, whether you're Japanese or, or Middle Eastern or of African-American descent. Or, 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 or It doesn't make any difference whatsoever. We're all equal under God and every life matters. For you and I have been called to love one another. We've been called to love others just as Jesus loved. In the same way that he loved us, we're called to love one another. Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 is, is that we would be uh, strengthened and established in love. That we, th th this love that surpasses human knowledge and understanding, this love that is higher and wider and deeper and longer than, than we can ever imagine, it's, it's a love that empowers us so that love may flow through us to others. And, and last week we saw that one of the fruits of, of, or one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit in us is that he produces love. He produces his love. It's not just any love, but it's God's perfect love. It's agape love. It's unconditional, perfect love. And so, so, that, that's the nature of God's love. And 1 Corinthians 13, if you've got it there, is perhaps the best known portion of the scripture regarding love. We, it gets preached at, at weddings and at all different uh, occasions. It's, it is, it is often, often distorted in the way that it is preached, in that it, it, is, it is made into a list of demands that you must do. And if you're not doing this, then you're not a Christian. You know, uh, God 
God is not pleased with you. But, but when I read this portion of scripture, it's actually describing the love God has for us. It's describing his love. And that as, as we can live out of his nature, out of that new man that we are, then this love becomes an automatic thing. Paul, Paul starts this portion of scripture by saying, you can have all of these amazing spiritual gifts. You can impress people with words of prophecy and words of knowledge, or you may speak in tongues, or you can do all of these other things. Um, but if you don't have love, if it isn't motivated out of love, if it doesn't flow out of love, he says it's nothing. It's actually worthless. He says, I gain nothing unless it comes out of love. And so verse 4 says, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Paul says in Galatians 5, he says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Not faith expressing itself through faith, not faith expressing itself through a lot of activity, faith expressing itself through love. Um, I'd love us to actually spend a whole lot of time and do a whole big study on love, but we don't really have the time. I haven't got the time for that this morning. But I did mention last week some of the reasons we should love, and it's because God commands it. He commands us to love others. We are known by our love. Love strengthens us together as a body. It strengthens us as people. It releases the blessing of God to others. It, it promotes um, sacrificial living towards other people. It, 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 it wins the world. It changes. It affects people's lives. It, it releases the life of God. It releases the presence of God. It, it releases joy. It, it enables you and I to actually know God better. When we experience his love, we experience another aspect of who he is. Um, Paul says that we are made complete in love, that it destroys fear that it enables us to keep our minds focused on God, that when you experience his love, like you, you, you experience something of who God is. He doesn't love as a choice. He is love. So he cannot help himself but love. Uh, Mother Teresa says this, love cannot remain by itself. It has no meaning. Love has to be put into action. And that action is service. It's service towards one another. And so what I want to do this morning is, is, just, is just give us a few practical things in how we express love to one another. Um, you know, we can talk a lot about it, but unless it actually translates into something of the way that we live, into how we live, then it's not a lot of, it, it just becomes a theory. We, we want to practically love one another. And so here's a few things that uh, I want to give you today on how do we practically love other people? How do we love one another within, within freedom life? Um, and one of those ways is that we care for the sick. Uh, 
Jesus, Jesus, when Jesus says, um, you have loved me, you know, I've felt your love. And, 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 and people ask, and said, well, how, how did we, how did we do that? And Jesus responds. He says, uh, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and, and, and you clothed me. I was sick and you look after me. And, and, and they say, well, we never actually did any of that for you, Jesus. And he says, no, but when you do it for other people, when you do it towards others, it's as though you've done it to me. Love is caring. Love is, is showing compassion practically. So you came and you cared for other people and it was exactly like you were doing it for me. Um, Paul writes in the book of Galatians, and, uh, and he says, you know, even though I was sick and my illness was a trial to you when I was with you, he says, you didn't treat me with contempt or with scorn. He says, you welcomed me as if I was an angel of God, as if I was Christ Jesus himself. He says, you cared for me. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to care for those who are sick. Um, it can be very difficult to care for those who are who are terminally ill. You know, this week, a, a very dear friend of mine, someone who I've known for over 50 years, uh, passed away. And um, the last number of years, she's been housebound, uh, really confined to a bed for probably the last four or five years, unable to get out of home at all. And her husband has has... He, he resigned his job just to become a full-time carer for her. And, and the way that he expressed love and the way that he cared for her was just amazing. Um, it was an incredible, ex- practical example of, of true love. And you might think, well, of course, he has to do that. He's, he's her husband. But it went beyond that. It, it was, there were amazing expressions of, of just pure agape love towards his wife. Um, I think for people who work as nurses and caregivers and or they may work in an orphanage or, or work in homes for the disabled, I, I think they're some of the hardest jobs around. But they're incredible acts of love and compassion. I have a friend who works in Adelaide, um, heads up a whole palliative care um, department and... Um, just does an amazing job. I've got other people who work in disabled homes um, and they just care for disabled kids. And, and, and another guy who works in a place where he cares for disabled adults. I think, you know, some of those people are real heroes. You, you won't see their names plastered up. You won't hear from them, but they are genuine heroes to me. Um, I hold those kinds of people in very high esteem, far more than I do some of these televangelists you see who you know, are meant to be sharing the good news and yet share so often a distortion of it. We're called to love. Jesus, Jesus prayed for, he cared for, and he healed the sick. Um, but he did it out of a heart of love. You know, some people think that Jesus healed the sick to prove that he was the son of God, to prove he was the Messiah. Others think that that he just healed the sick so that he could put on a show so that, oh, well, God will be glorified through this. And, 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 God, and Jesus did live a life 
so that God could be glorified. And he, he did prove to people who he was by healing people, but that wasn't his motivation. His motivation to heal people and to touch them and to care for them was one of compassion. He, he had such a deep love for people. It prompted him and it, it stirred him and it inspired him and it actually empowered him when he was weak and tired to actually go and touch people's lives and to heal them. Um, sometimes Jesus didn't even tell people who he was. He, he just goes and heals them and then he disappears. He wasn't looking for self-glory. Um, in fact, other times he healed people and he told them not to tell people. You know, he, so he wasn't looking for fame and fortune for himself. He just loved people. He did it out of a motivation of love. Um, you know, sometimes we don't pray for people's healing because we're afraid of what will happen to our reputation. What if nothing happens? You know, well, what's our motivation then? It, it's not love or compassion. It's our reputation. We get, we, 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 we're afraid that we can get fear. You know, there's a fear of embarrassment if we fail. We, we, we can't heal people anyway. Only God heals people. Our role is just to go and pray for them. In, um, in, the, in Philippians chapter 2, we, we read where Paul is, is imprisoned in Rome and uh, the Philippian church actually send people to him to care for him. And a guy by the name of, of Epaphroditus goes and allows himself to be imprisoned with Paul just so he could help him. And then, then and this guy gets sick himself. In fact, he almost dies. He, he's a guy who's showing practical love towards Paul, caring for him. He, he's willing to live in, in captivity. And now he gets sick and almost dies. Paul prays for him. Paul wants him to be healed but it doesn't happen. Paul doesn't try and cover it up. He's not worried about his own reputation. He just tells it like it is. He, he, he doesn't try and explain it away with some convoluted theology. He simply starts boasting about the incredible devotion and love of this man. But that, that's practical love, caring for those who need it, caring in particular for the sick. Um, number two is, is that, a practical expression of love towards one another is that we, we have opportunity to meet one another's material needs. Uh, 1 John 3 in verse 16, um, John writes this. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can, he, how can the love of God be in him? He's not saying people aren't saved, but, he's, but he is saying, man, you're not, living, you're not living out of your new man. You're denying the actual fact that, that there is love in you that's wanting to get out. He says, dear children, let us not just love with words or tongue, but let us love with actions and in truth. And we see that expressed in the early church in Acts, in Acts chapter 4. It says there were no needy among them. Uh, in fact, it says from time to time, people sold houses and property and they would bring the money to, to the, the apostles and lay it at their feet so that it could be distributed to anyone who had need. 
it wasn't it wasn't taken by the apostles so they could buy their second, third, or fourth house. House. I don't know if they, if if most of them even had a house at all. They actually just they used the money to see others blessed. Um, for true genuine love has an understanding of covenant. What's yours is mine. I'm not here on this planet to build personal wealth. We're here to care for the hurting and the needy and the poor and the hungry and the sick. It doesn't mean that we are left without. It doesn't mean that we, you know, have to sell everything and live on the street to try and to try and prove some religious ideal. But it does mean that when we are confronted with people who are in need, especially those in the body of Christ, that there is some practical application of love, that we do care for one another, that we can have opportunity to supply one another's needs. You know, we read in, in uh, Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. And he, he finds a man who has been beaten and left for dead on the street. And uh, he, 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 all the religious people of the day just bypass this man. They just walk past him. But this, this Samaritan man, a man who was culturally despised because of his ancestry, um, this man took pity on him and, and, and he took care of this person. He paid for his doctor's bills. He, offered, he, he, he put him in a, in a motel. He, he offered to pay the costs of everything that was required for this man to recover. And then he comes back and he makes sure that this guy was okay. I know some of you do similar things. I know that you help supply what others need, not for your fame, but for love. And, and I want to just commend you and just say well done to the people of Freedom Life. But I think there's always more opportunities for us to actually practically express love. We pray for the sick, we care for the sick, but we also want to be able to supply what people need. Thirdly, we can, we can express our love through just affectionate greetings, just the way we are towards one another. Paul, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, um, he says, folks, be of one mind. Aim for perfection. Nothing wrong with actually aiming for perfection. We don't do it in a religious sense that we've got to do that to try and impress God or impress people. We just want to live like Jesus. He says, the God of love and peace will be with you. It will flow through you. And then he says this. He says, greet one another with a holy, holy kiss. Um, it's probably not something we do too much in our culture. Um, but you see, it was very common in Bible times and especially in Israel. And there are cultures that do that quite often. But in Romans 16, he says a similar thing. Later on in, well, in 1 Corinthians, he says it at the end of, as in, in chapter 16, as he closes off that letter. In, uh, Peter says the same thing, 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, greet one another with a kiss of love. Um, it is said that that that. Kissing is a means of two people getting so close to one another that they can't see anything wrong with each other. I think that what a wonderful way that would be to live, that we're so close to one another, that we care for one another so much, that we love one another so much, that, that we can't see anything wrong with each other. It doesn't mean we, we're just totally blind to what is wrong um, or to faults, but... But as, as scripture says, love covers a multitude of sins. You know? We might think, well, it's a lot easier for ladies to kiss one another, to greet one another uh, in that way because they're 
perhaps a bit freer with their emotions and their outward acts of affection. You know, you can't do that as a man. You know, you're asking me to kiss another man. You know, um, what are you telling us to be? Well, I won't say that. <laughs> but fuck, it's, it's, it's an act. It's a demonstration of affection. And, and certainly, yeah, much more culturally acceptable in other, in other parts of the world, perhaps France or Greece or parts of Italy and, and some other European countries, but, but not so much in Australia. But Paul's addressing a heartfelt sentiment rather than a physical act. We're, we're to greet people with affection and not suspicion. Have you ever experienced that? where you meet someone, even someone that you may have known for a long, long time, and, and it's, you feel like every time you go and shake hands or every time you're, you're there, it's like there's this undercurrent of, wow, they're, they're, sus they're suspecting something. Again, you know, we, we, we should never be suspicious of one another. We need to greet one another with genuine affection. Um, and I have had men come up to me and kiss me. Um, I'm not asking you to do that. Please, men, don't come running after me and chasing me to kiss me. Um, I'm talking about just a, a heartfelt love and appreciation and some actual act of affection towards one another. It's an expression of love. Number four, just, just ongoing encouragement. Um, Hebrews, 13, uh, Hebrews 3 uh, verse 13 says, Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, that encouragement, a protection against hardness of heart and sin. A simple thing like just encouraging one another. But when you love someone, you want to protect them. Um, Paul writes in First Thessalonians, he says, we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Encourage them. Encouragement is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you see that in Romans 12, that, that, that all of these gifts of the Holy Spirit, they function, they operate out of love. That's their foundation. And we all need encouragement. It's an act of love. Um, Paul continually used words of encouragement so that when he when he couldn't physically get to a place personally, he would write letters of encouragement to them. And sometimes, sometimes those letters contained rebuke. Sometimes those letters contained, uh, uh, contained correction. But they were always there to encourage one another. They were all there, always there to encourage the church or to encourage an individual, to spur them on. If a letter wasn't enough, then he would send someone to represent him, to bring encouragement. He sends Titus to the Ephesians church. You see that in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, I'm sending you him for this very purpose, that you may be encouraged. Now that took planning. Paul had to take time. He had to prepare this guy. He had to, to instill in him the message that he wanted to, to share. Well, not just hand over a piece of paper. And so he relies on this guy to actually go and to to help others, to encourage them. It took, it took money out of Paul's pocket. It took, it took something financially for him to actually be able to go and do that. He, 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 he sends the same guy to the Colossian church later on. He sends Timothy to the, to the Thessalonians to, to encourage their faith. 
Barnabas gets sent by the Jerusalem church up to Antioch to strengthen and encourage them. Titus goes to the Corinthian church to encourage them. Why, why did these men travel like they did, sometimes through very difficult circumstances? They, they, they gave of themselves. They spent their money. They, they endured persecution and hardship. Um, it wasn't because they had some travel bug. You know, we just want to get out and travel. No, it's because they had a love for the people of God and they wanted to encourage them. Paul says that I carry daily the burden of all the churches. He loved the church. We're, hopefully soon we're going to be able to get back together. Um, you know, my, my deep desire was with these Zoom meetings that everyone would get on board. Sadly, not everyone has. And I understand that sometimes there's practical reasons for all of that. But folks, soon, and then we're still waiting for the Coburn Youth Council and the Youth Centre to tell us when we can actually get back together. They told me Friday the council has still got to make a decision on that. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to get back together. And, and, and the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 10 says, says, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. And then he says this, let us not give up meeting together. And, and even though at the moment we're physically not able to do that, um, in the numbers that we want to be able to, to do it, we should be encouraging one another to meet together, at least on this platform. He says, he says, he says don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. But when we finally get word that we can start meeting together at the youth center, I want you to get on the phone, encourage every single person to, to, to come and let's, let's make it such a great celebration on that day as we're able to get together. Um, number five, we, we express love in a practical way just by protecting one another, having each other's back. Uh, Psalm 91, um, which is many people have been using over this period of time about God's protection over us with uh, verse 14 says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and I will protect him because he acknowledges my name. But God's response to our love for him is protection. It's a supernatural protection. Our, our act of love towards one another is, is also to protect one another. We, we should protect one another from gossip. Protect one another from slander malicious lies and hurtful comments and innuendo to be to be bold enough to actually tell people hey i don't want to hear that i don't want to hear any gossip i don't want to hear that story you know and sometimes we like a juicy story but we should be having each other's back we need to protect one another we 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 need to deal with conflict the bible way and and jesus says in matthew 18 he says you know, if you've got something against your brother, if there's accusations that come against them, then, then you should send that person straight back to that person and have them deal with it personally, those two people. Have you spoken to the one who's accusing? Um, you hear a story about someone else. You just need to cut it off and say, you need to go back and actually make sure, one, that's true, but two, you need to actually put that thing right if it involves you. Um, 
We need to do things the Bible way. If there's accusations against someone, you need to you need to cut them things those things off. Or, or if you don't get in anywhere with that, you need to you need to take someone with you as a witness and talk again. And if and if that person or, or if someone who you've got there by your side um, as an impartial third person, um, then you, then you can bring it to the elders. You know that that's a biblical way of dealing with it. Like love protects, love surrounds, love shields us. I want to tell you, the devil will use every tactic he can to try and bring division. He's the accuser of the brothers, as Revelation 12 tells us. He accuses. He, he, he accuses us to one another all the time. He, he, brings, he breeds suspicion. And we need to recognize the devil's tactics to try and split and, to, and divide and bring suspicion. Love protects us from all of that. And so that brings me to, to this point, number six, is that, is that love forgives. Practical application, practical expression of how we love one another is that we forgive one another. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all wrongs. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4 verse 8, he says, Above all, Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. Doesn't mean we ignore or that we condone sin. Sin needs to be dealt with and sometimes it needs to be dealt with radically. But love always forgives. And in that forgiveness, there is a forgetting of the past. There's a wiping away of wrongs. There's no grudges being held. There's no sense of planning revenge. If we hold on to past hurts, they will fester, they will infect us, and they will cause us to become spiritually sick and emotionally sick, um, which can even lead to us becoming physically sick. So we need to live a life of practical forgiveness towards one another. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, it never fails. And so there's just a few things, six things, um, of practical expressions of love. We could look at some others. There's just the way we serve one another, just practical help. You know, someone needs something done around their home and, they, and they're unable to do it. We can, we can practically express love by just helping them in, in, in what, what they need, in, in just blessing people. You know, we throw out that phrase so often, but there are practical ways we can bless people. You can bless people with material gifts. You can bless people by praying for them, by prophesying over them, by, by de making declarations over them, by actually spending time in your quiet time, a way with, where it's not public prayers, where it's not a big show, where you're praying for people. Their expressions, real genuine expressions, of love. 
where you're not trying, where, where, where it's not love that has a hook in it, where we're trying to get something back, where it's genuine love being expressed towards one another because we want people to be touched with the genuine life of God flowing through us. Folk, living a holy life, living a God life, living a Christ-like life isn't about doing a whole lot of religious things. It's actually about allowing the life of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. And that is always, always a life of love. And so my prayer for all of us is, is, is Holy Spirit, help us. Help us, number one, to learn how to receive your love, that pure agape love that comes from the Father. Because the more that we can be a sponge, as it were, and soak in the love of God, the more that we allow his love to affect our lives and touch our lives and restore our lives and heal our lives, not, in a, not that we're grabbing everything in a selfish way, but the more we can allow God to flow into our life and heal us and, and in so doing that transforms our life, then the more we can actually live like Jesus. We can live a genuine Christ life and see the world around us really touched with the love of God. Folk, it's only the pure, genuine love of God that is genuinely going to touch and transform people. And it's not this ooey-gooey emotional thing that so many people restrict it to and think that's all it's about. No, it actually has practical teeth, if I can use that word. It has power. It, it comes with authority comes with compassion, but it comes with all the power of heaven. And we want that to actually be flowing through our life. And so, Father, my prayer this morning is help us. It's help us to learn how to receive your love so that we can display your love. And so anyone, Father, here this morning, anyone who's going to listen to this later, where they've been struggling with love, where they've been struggling to receive, where they've been struggling to accept even themselves. Father, I pray that they would have an encounter with your love, an experience with your love, even right now into the very rooms of the homes of people, that, that Holy Spirit, you would, you would manifest your presence, that you would surround them with your love and with your comfort and with your strength, with your peace and with your joy right now. In Jesus' name, people would all over would experience your love so that they may learn how to express that love to others. So we thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.